Slayers and Slayers. This is Mixtress Ray, and you're listening to What's This Bitch Talking About? To which the answer to that question is every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer exactly 20 years after its original air date, which means tonight we're talking about Smashed and also the Angel episode Lullaby. Um, so yeah, let's start, I guess. Let me make sure my phone is silenced. And it is not, so I'm glad I'm doing that. Okay. Done. Okay. So, the angel episode. (laughs) Um, I'm having a hard time caring about angel, so hopefully I can keep it as short as I did last week. Um, hey, wait, I forgot to consult the episode guides. Let me go get them. They're in the other room. (sighs) I just, I could barely read the episode description. Um, okay, so let me tell you, okay, let me read you the, you know, little sentence about the episode, two sentences. As the evil forces close in on Darla and Angel discovers that Holtz is back, Darla prepares to give birth to the baby. Um, so I think I might possibly be alone in my just, um, dislike for the Angel episodes right now because Michael watched it with me today and he was like, I don't know, it seemed like a pretty good episode. Like, I liked it. It was pretty good. It was well done. And I mean... I guess it's fine. It's just, I don't care. Um, to me, I feel like the actors playing the roles, like whoever's playing Holtz, I think he's not a very compelling actor. I don't give a shit about him at all. And, um, but in Nikki Stafford's episode guide to Angel called Once Bitten, she, um, you know what I should do? I should just write down the names of these two episode guides that I'm constantly referencing in the podcast description notes. <laughs> so I could just be like, if you want to know what my source is, <laughs> check out the podcast description. Anyway, whatever. Um, who knows if I'll remember to do that. So... In the episode guide, she was talking about how great the actor is who plays Holtz and how you really feel for him and you get backstory of him in this episode and like the actor really brought it home and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what? Were we watching the same episode? Because I still don't give a shit about Holtz and I never will. So sorry I'm so salty about it, especially to anyone that really appreciates the Angel show because I probably just piss you guys off every week. But... It's just, I guess it's just not for me. Anyway, let's read my notes. Holtz versus Angel at the hotel. That's how the episode opens up because he's caught up with him and he's going to kill him, but he doesn't or something. I don't know. Lila shows up. I I don't know. To be quite honest, I wasn't paying that much attention. I mean, I was. Like, I wasn't, like, looking at my phone or something. I was there. I had my notebook ready to take notes, but I just, like, was facing off because I didn't care. (laughs) Um, At some point, they were talking about they wanted to get the scrolls, these Niazian scroll things, this prophecy thing. It's the prophecy that 
says that like this birth is going to be going to kickstart the apocalypse or something. I don't know, whatever. And, um, everybody is, so Angel's the only one that's inside the hotel and everybody else is outside the hotel in his car. So Darla, whose water has broke and she's like in labor at this point and Wesley and Gunn and Fred and Cordelia are all there. And Wesley's like, we need the scrolls. Do you think that he's gotten them yet? I don't know why they're waiting in the car. Do they realize that there's danger in the hotel? Are they right outside the hotel? I don't know. It's picking up from where the last episode left off, which I just watched a week ago, but I don't remember <laughs> what the deal is with that. So Wesley's whining that they need the scrolls, and Cordelia's like, women have been giving birth without ancient prophecies for years. <laughs> so that's kind of the quote of the episode. Um, Darla's like, at one point, like in between contractions, she's just like talking to herself in the backseat of the car. So like, you can see that she's going through something, I guess. Um, somebody calls her Darla free range evil. I think it was Lila. Um, because Holtz realizes as he's like talking to slash getting ready to torture Angel or whatever, that Angel has a soul now. And that's what trips him up, I think. He decides not to kill him right now because that changes things. And then he goes back and talks to the demon guy that's having... that is the one that brought Holtz back after 200-something years to kill Angel. And he confronts him about, like, you didn't tell me that Angel had a soul. And he's like, well, what does it matter? And he's like... And you think it's like that he's having some sort of moral dilemma about killing Angel, but then he says, it just means I need a different strategy. Like, I, can't, I need to hunt him differently if he's a vampire with a soul. I don't care. I just don't care. Um, Darla, at one point, Angel has to go find her. She's on. She's standing on top of a building or something. Like, you always did like a view. Whatever. How many times has he said that to her? I don't know. So many times. Um, she says something about smelling the horrible world. Can't you smell it? This horrible world. Like, why would anyone bring a child into this world? And then she just starts... Basically, the the compelling part of the episode is any scene between Angel and Darla. Like, despite the fact that... I feel like they didn't do enough to lead up to this revelation. Like I was talking about last week, like the soul of the child within her has given her, you know, the feelings that a soul would give you, even though it's not technically her soul. I kind of like that plot device, but I just don't think that they built up to it well enough in a storytelling sense, you know, there was only just like a couple of scenes, this one and then the last one where Angel had to, well, he didn't actually end up killing her. That's how I remembered it. But she stakes herself. Um, but we'll get there. But anyway, this is the first scene between the two of them where she kind of starts, it's revealed that like the soul inside her is making her have love and compassion for the first time. And, um, in the second scene, 
between the two of them because I or maybe not a, yeah I, don't, I feel like they were like three main Angel Darla conversations in this episode and the second one is where she kind of reveals to Angel that she loves the child she loves it more than she's she's never loved anything her whole life she's never loved anything so that's pretty powerful when you think about just the the lifespan of a Darla so like when she was human, she was a sex worker that was in it for, not because she wanted to be, you know, um, she was forced into that life and she hated it and she died of syphilis. She was about to die of syphilis when she got turned into a vampire. And then she was soulless and couldn't love anything. And so the whole, you know, all the centuries that her and Angel were together, they never loved each other. I wonder if, I was thinking this while I was watching the episode, you know, she was just like, I've never loved anyone. She was saying that. And I thought, have we ever seen them tell each other they love each other? I guess not. We do see Spike and Drusilla tell each other they love each other, but I do don't know if we've ever seen Darla and Angel like when they were together I don't know if we ever saw that because it was always by flashbacks seeing them together that's really it so yeah I guess they never loved each other because they couldn't because they were soulless or whatever anyway so I thought that that was interesting you know like I kind of liked Darla for a minute in this episode <laughs> um but, you know, so basically the contractions kind of stop at some point. Because um, at first she was in active labor, I think is what they were calling it. And she was having a lot of contractions and, and then the contractions just stopped. So, and there's some kind of like mystical force protecting the pregnancies. So like they had ascertained that likely something was wrong, but she wasn't but they couldn't do a C-section. Like, Wesley was like, she's not a life-giving vessel. <laughs> like, did you have to say it like that? I mean, basically the whole thing was, you know, she's a vampire. She's not meant to give birth to a human baby. Therefore, it's, a, it's an inhospitable environment that the baby's in. But he said it. She's not a life-giving vessel. <laughs> okay, dude. Um, but, anyway... <laughs> So the baby's like dying inside of her and she's really, really upset about it because she loves the baby so much. And then Holtz shows up. So at this point they're at, they go to, um, Lauren's place. He's going to reopen the next day. He's been working on fixing this place ever since Gunn's old friends destroyed the, his club like a month and a half ago or whatever it was and he's finally ready to reopen and Holtz comes in and like bombs the place or it's a grenade I think yeah he like throws a grenade in there and destroys Lauren's place again I'm really, that's the thing that upset me the most about this entire episode he was ready to reopen his karaoke bar goddammit God damn it. Can't Lauren catch a break? Jesus Christ. He's, he didn't ask for any of this shit. 
Lawrence is one of my favorite characters. Anyway, so Darla, they have to try to get out because Lauren's, Lauren, you know, got the tip for like, you know, four seconds before he bombed the place or threw the grenade in there, like with a barrel of something, some kind of gasoline explosives or something. I don't know, whatever. But because he was humming, Holtz was humming on his way out or like singing some stupid song that he used to sing to his kid, whatever the fuck. And so Lorne, you know, got his psychic insight since he gets that when people sing and he told everybody to run. And so they're outside and Wesley and Cordelia and Gunn go to get the car. Is Lorne with them? Surely he is. They go to get the car. Fred stays. Um, and Darla, it's raining. And Dar- and Angel's, you know, just being really concerned for Darla. And Darla's upset. And she's like, the baby's going to die. It's going to die right now. Right now in this alley, the baby's going to die. And with very little fanfare, you know, there isn't like a big goodbye thing she grabs some sort of piece of wood that's laying nearby and she stakes herself so that she can save the baby because she knows that the second that the baby is born and the soul is no longer inside of her, she won't love it anymore. And that is, that is destroying her. And she hates that. And I think that's kind of sweet actually. Um, and she sacrificed herself so that the baby could live. So that's nice. Um, is there anything else? That's it. Okay, so that's the Angel episode. Let's take a little break. You don't have to, but I'm just going to pause it for a second. And we'll be back to talk about Buffy. Okay, so Buffy episode, smashed. Begins with a good old-fashioned mugging. Buffy saves um, kind of an older, middle-aged looking couple from, I guess I'm middle-aged now shit. (laughs) Oh, that's a fun realization, right? (laughs) Anyway, if I live to 78, I am in the middle of my life right now. (laughs) Okay. Um, good old fashioned mugging. Okay. Um, I also noticed for the first time ever, like, you know how Buffy's hair gets super short. She gets a cut in that episode that she's invisible. Um, this is, and it's two episodes before that right now. Her hair's already cut because they're putting her hair in like weird, weird hairstyles, pigtails, like pulling it back. They're doing okay in this episode. Like it's, it's not super noticeable, but the episode where she cuts her hair, she's definitely wearing a wig and it's obvious, but right now they're doing okay covering for the fact that her hair's shorter. Um, Spike, uh, Spike shows up to try to help during the mugging. Um, and like he attacks one of the guys, but since one of the guys, since they're human, um, he, his chip gets set off. So that's just to establish that, Hey, there's this chip that Spike has for any new watchers, viewers of the show. And for any old viewers, um, it's just to establish, hey, his chip's still working, because that's going to be important later. <laughs> um, 
this episode we get more of the comments from Spike. The little like controlling boyfriend type comments. He calls her a tease. He tells her that like no one what he says it in this scene, doesn't he? It's only a matter of time before you realize I'm the only one here for you, pet. So he says that he later tells her she's a little lost girl, has no one to love, no one to care about her or something like that. He's doing a lot of like, you know, making sure that she knows or he's doing a lot of like reminding her that she's isolated, reminding her that he's the only one that understands her and that kind of shit. So controlling boyfriend shit, just saying it's there. I'm calling it when I see it. Willow is sad. She, I think this is the first time we see Amy's cage since like, I don't know, season four. <laughs> Maybe we saw it in the background at some point during season five. This is a different cage than it used to be. And the only reason why I noticed that is because the cage that Amy used to have was the exact same cage that my first ferret had. <laughs> um, and this one's different. Um, so, Buffy gets Amy out to like, I don't know, talk to her, I guess, as the rat. And then she's like, I wish I could figure out how to turn you back. And then she suddenly realizes, oh yeah, I can turn her back because Amy hasn't been a fucking priority to Willow. It really, really aggravates me. Like, I don't give a shit about Amy as a character, so it's not like I'm being defensive for her or whatever. Um, like I usually get when I'm like this. Amy's not one of my faves or anything, but it really pisses me off that, you know, Willow can bring Buffy back from the fucking dead and she can do all this shit now. Like, why would she not realize she can help Amy? Because she's not even thinking about her. And obviously TV, right? But still. She's, okay, so before she turns Amy back into Amy... Amy the rat. She, she's talking to Amy the rat and she says, I should get you a little, are you lonely? I should get you a little companion rat that you can play with and love. And then one day they just leave you for no good reason. And there's a lot of language like this coming from Willow right now. Like saying something like, like here, they'll leave you for no good reason referring to Tara, obviously. And then later in the episode, she says she's explaining to, Anya and Xander why they broke up or something and she says something to the effect of um you know little things just started to matter too much little things that didn't matter um that kind of stuff like she's not even acknowledging that what she did was wrong you know and that's definitely different for Willow like I think you know, like we saw with when she cheated on Oz in season three, she was immediately like very remorseful, apologizing profusely. Like she was really extra, like, you know, Oz had to be like, I need you to give me space, you know, that kind of thing. But so, but now it's like she's not even like saying she's sorry. She's not even acknowledging that she did a bad thing, which 
is pretty bad. That's pretty bad. Um, and in this episode, we do get a, a few, like, little conversations where, like, Xander's kind of, like, wanting to bring it up with Buffy. Like, Tara thinks that Willow's doing too much magic. That's why they broke up. And she's not the only one. And, you know, he's empathizing. He's actually kind of being a good friend right now because he's saying things like, it's got to be really seductive to give in to that. You know, she has so much power. I, he didn't really say that. But um, so Xander is, this is two episodes in a row. In the last episode, Xander suggested that they had a, a video club, which I think was a cute idea. Like spending time with a friend that needs help. Buffy, not a bad idea, you know? And um, in this episode, he's suggesting that they, like, you know, help Willow, talk to Willow, like, you know, keep an eye on her, that kind of thing. And Anya seems to be really, like, level-headed about the whole thing, too. Anyway, I'm jumping ahead. Let's, let's go back to my notes, get back on track here. Um, so Willow changes Amy back to human status. We get the um, Andrew Warren and Jonathan are in a museum and they steal this big diamond and they get caught by the security guard and they use a freeze ray gun to freeze the security guard. So that happens and then they get away. Um, then we go back to talking to Amy and Amy's very disoriented as you would be. Um, but she's still, she's got all kinds of magical power that I don't remember seeing her have. Like, yeah, she was able to turn herself into a rat and she turned Buffy into a rat. <laughs> Wasn't she the one that turned Buffy into a rat? Yeah, she was. That was in that episode where everyone was in love with Xander because of the spell that Cordelia tried to do on him that backfired. Um, yeah. So like we knew she had power before, but like, she just has a ton of power right now. Like she can close the windows and curtains just by doing a little flash. And we've, for the most part, like we haven't seen Willow do a lot of stuff like that. Have we? I mean, I guess we kind of have, I don't know. Anyway, getting distracted. Just like how powerful of a witch Amy is whenever she's been a rat for the last three years. It's just like, I find that a little bit hard to believe. Um, so she's pretty disoriented. She's asking a lot of questions about stuff. And she's like, it feels like I've been in that cage for like weeks. And she starts talking about the prom and Willow has to be like, well, uh, and it's heartbreaking. Honestly, it really is to think about the fact that, you know, she was just neglected in a cage. I mean, yeah, I guess Willow was taking care of her as if she was a pet or whatever, but I just, man, and rats don't really live that long. So, you know, in, in real life, you get turned into a rat IRL. If you get turned into a rat IRL, you're probably only going to live like two to four years. <laughs> anyway, um... I don't actually know the life cycle of a rat, but I think it's something like that. It's just like, you know, a few years, just like a handful at most, right? I don't know. I could be wrong. So Buffy comes home from 
was she researching? No. No, this is when she's still in the pigtails. Yeah, okay. So, because I jumped ahead earlier. She comes home and she sits down on Willow's bed and she wants to talk to her about something serious and she starts to open up about the fact that, you know, she's made out with Spike twice now and she wants to talk about it with her friend and then Amy walks in and just distracts Buffy and so she ends up not saying anything which makes two episodes in a row where like as soon as Buffy was opening up to everyone about what it felt like to be in heaven and you know that could have been a productive conversation it could have been helpful for her in the last episode that's when the spell took place and she passed out and everybody passed out and in this episode Buffy tries to talk to Willow about the fact that she's been making out with Spike and if she had been able to talk to someone about it at this point maybe the whole terrible sexual relationship between her and Spike could have been prevented but anyway so Amy walks in Buffy's like holy shit, Amy, you know, and there's this really funny exchange between Buffy and Amy where, um, Buffy says, how do you, how have you been? And Amy just says, rat, you? And Buffy just says, dead. And they're like, oh, <laughs> that was funny. Um, okay. My next note is just Spike punches Buffy, but doesn't feel the chip. So I, I guess she like leaves to go put she's going to so like Amy's watching TV downstairs with a plate of cookies and Buffy goes downstairs and just like talks to her or something and Amy says something about like so many things have changed like people are getting frozen and Buffy's like what and so she unmutes the TV and sees like the news report about like the bank getting robbed and the guy was frozen the security guard was frozen and blah 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 so Buffy goes um, to like investigate that and while she's on her way or after, I don't know, at some point she sees Spike because he's there, I think. Like he knows about it too. Was he sitting at home watching the news as well? Spike watching the news from his crypt. It's a nightly ritual. <laughs> Bottle of Jack and news in the crypt. I don't know. But anyway, he shows up at the scene while she's kind of just like watching what's going down as they're like wheeling out the guy who's frozen. Like, of course she gets there just in time to see that. Um, and I don't know what, I don't remember what the exchange was. It was just more of like Spike wanting to talk about the fact that they've kissed twice. Cause he always wants to fucking talk about it. <laughs> and Buffy I guess just because he wants validation, like he wants her to admit that she has feelings for him and I don't know, whatever. He wants to talk about it. And she's like, you're really fixated on a couple of kisses, Spike, whatever. At some point he punches her. I I don't remember exactly what made him decide to do that. Maybe she said something insulting to him. I don't know, whatever. But he punches her and he doesn't feel it. And, and you see that he doesn't feel it, like his chip doesn't go off. And um, then he recovers and he pretends that it did go off or whatever. And then she goes away. 
And then he decides, like immediately, he decides that he's going to go find some girl to drain her of her blood, you know? Um, always a girl, you know? Like, vampires are supposed to be bi, but they never are on Buffy. They never fucking are. I don't think we saw a single gay vampire in Buffy. Like, Mr. Trick was pretty damn stylish and cool. Like, he could have gone in a gay direction, but anyway. So, this, I think, is important. This, the reason why they're doing this whole thing is to show you. I think it's two things. To show you that Buffy and Spike are on equal levels. They're both super-powered beings. And Spike is not neutered with Buffy. You know? He can hurt her. I think it was important to establish this. I think that it was a good idea to do this plot-wise. Um, anyway, so... But it's also an important plot point to show that, like, as soon as he thinks his chip isn't working, he immediately goes to be evil again. Like, he has not changed. And it's easy for us to think that something about him has changed because for the last almost three years now, I mean, I guess really it's just been two but, you know, throughout most of season four, all of season five, and now the first, the third or whatever of season six, he's had a chip in his head, so he hasn't been able to kill people. And we like him at this point. He's become kind of a part of the team, but we need to be reminded that he's not a good vampire. As soon as he thinks he can, he goes to kill someone. I think that's important to point out, especially in the same episode that they have sex for the first time. I think that all of this is really important to establish that they are equals, Buffy and Spike. Um, that this, I mean, you know, as much as like, you know, we do get the attempted rape later this season. And I do think that he uses abusive language to try to control her. But ultimately they are equals in this relationship. I mean, not, I mean, they're not equals in that, you know, Spike is in love with Buffy and Buffy could never love Spike back. So it's not, she's using him, but I, I what I'm saying about like them being equals is that they're equals in right now anyway, in like consent factor and in, like, that they're both super-powered beings. So I think they're establishing that because, you know, like, the whole... They're fucking beating each other up until they're fucking, you know? They're fighting until... They're fighting a house down until they're fucking the house down, you know? <laughs> Spike and Buffy fucking the house down boots. Yes, God! Oh, um, again, I got ahead of myself. But Buffy in that same scene that Spike had just punched her and then he's pretending to be in pain when he realizes he's not in pain. Um, Buffy says to him, you're a thing. 
an evil, disgusting thing. So I think this is really important because this is, I, I would assume this is intentional. I don't know for sure because I don't know behind the scenes of the writer's room of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but I would assume that the reason that this is there is because it's kind of a callback to the episodes where Spike, or Spike, the episodes where Buffy and Faith switch bodies. And Faith in Buffy's body was beating on herself, on Faith on Buffy and Faith's body and saying, you're evil, you're disgusting, blah, 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 you know, all of that, just self-hatred stuff. I think this is a callback to that. She sees herself reflected in Spike to a certain degree. You know, she's, he's the character she can most relate to so far in the season, um, right now in the place that she's in right now. He's the one that she can relate to. And I think it's important she's saying it to herself as well. Like her being attracted to him disgusts her. And so she's saying that because she wants to believe it. You know, she wants to believe that he's a disgusting thing that she could never be into. But she's, yeah, anyway. Um, and then I just wrote, this is to remind us Buffy's not okay and Spike's still evil. <laughs> yeah. Um... Dawn and Tara, it's, there's a, some cute scenes between Dawn and Tara in this episode. Um, Dawn has taken, or Tara has taken Dawn out for like a movie and milkshake day or something to just like hang out for the day and like, and it's so sweet. Like, um, Tara actually says to Dawn, like me leaving had nothing to do with you and I will always love you. And that's just really super fucking sweet. And we do not get very many moments where Dawn gets to be around anyone and, f and hang out with anyone and spend quality time with anyone, which will come up later in the season, whenever, um, on Buffy's birthday, um, she ends up getting everyone stuck in the house. Um, because she, everyone's going away all the time. No one's around ever. Um, because Buffy's addicted to Spike and Willow's addicted to magic. So like Dawn's just always left alone. But at this point, she's not t totally there yet. But anyway, it's just nice to see Dawn get to hang out with someone. And Dawn and Tara have always had like a good relationship and it's always sweet to see them together. Um, Okay. So outfit of the episode is the one that Buffy's wearing when she fucks Spike for the first time, <laughs> except for the denim jacket. I don't understand that, but, um, so she's wearing, I just like leaned back, <laughs> like I'm settling in so I can tell you what Buffy's wearing in this episode. <laughs> she's wearing like a cream colored lace top sort of ivory lace kind of like asymmetrical cut it's it's pretty cool like as far as like early 2000s shirts go this one this one was okay I can handle this one and she paired that with a like floor length black leather skirt 
So that looked really cool. But then later she puts a denim jacket over it. Like what? We're doing denim, lace, and black leather at the same time? No, Buffy, no. She should have had like a one of her little leather jackets or something with that. She had to put on a jacket. Whatever. Anyway. So, all right. <laughs> Where are we? Um... So, okay, so it's Buffy, Xander, and Anya are the only ones that are, like, researching at the magic box because Dawn and Tara are hanging out. Willow is out with Amy for the night. Um, and, or no, okay, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself again. Okay, Willow, it's Willow, Anya... Xander and Buffy researching because they're trying to figure out this whole like you know somebody stole a diamond frost a guy was frozen at the museum thing they're trying to figure out this whole thing and Willow gets out her computer to like find more information and Buffy gets really excited she's like oh that's awesome Willow like you're gonna you know old school computer hacker Willow that's nice to see that. I haven't seen you do that in a while. And then she puts like her hands on the keyboard and she just starts like magicking into the internet somehow. And it's creepy and everybody's uncomfortable. And Anya sort of like, and they kind of start saying like some weird stuff and like they're kind of pussyfooting around the whole thing. And then Anya's like, come on. She says, we all know Tara up and left you because you're doing too much magic and we're all just like not supposed to say anything. And like, everyone's afraid to say anything. And Willow's like, I'm fine. It's fine. Like, little things just started to matter too much. And like, we need this time apart and blah, blah, blah. And it's very weird and awkward because everybody knows she's doing too much magic. And then Willow leaves to go check on Amy because she's at the house by herself. And Amy does this weird thing where she's, well, she says she wants to go out. Like she wants to go out and do something. And Willow's like, I don't know. What do you want to go do? And Amy's like, oh, do you just want to stay home like you did every day in high school, Willow? Or do you want to be cool like the cool kids? It's like, hold on, Amy, you were a rat for three years up until like two seconds ago, like calm down. But anyway, and then we go back to, so it's just Buffy, Anya and Xander, like researching now. And like Anya is the only one that's competent at research. And she says something to the effect of, you know, the book that I wanted Giles has because he thinks that like, because he owns a book, he gets to have it like whatever <laughs> that was a funny moment anyway um we get a scene where spike shows up at warren's house oh i skipped over it but he, like we see him like try to attack a woman in the alley and he can't because the chip is working for her but it didn't work when he punched buffy so then he shows up at warren's house and asks him, and he just storms in, because I'm pretty sure Warren invited him in whenever he made the robot, the Buffy bot, for him. 
I'm assuming that's why he could just storm in, but they didn't allude to that. They didn't refer back to that or anything. But it's the same house because this is it's Warren's mom's house that they where their lair is or whatever in the basement. So he shows up there as they're getting ready to leave and they're talking about phase two, which holy fuck, when is that coming up? I kind of want to look because I think that this diamond has something to do with like the mind control thing where they almost rape um, Katrina. Is that what that is? Hold on. Let me check. I don't know. It might, that might have nothing to do with the diamond because that's several episodes in the future whenever that happens. So I don't know. But anyway, so Spike shows up and he demands that Warren test the chip because he's a sciencey dude. Um, so that happens. Where are we? Where are we? Amy wants to go out. Warren tells Spike his chip works fine. Um, so we get, we get all of that. <laughs> um, Tara brings Dawn home, but nobody's home because Buffy's doing research and Willow and Amy are out together. So she's, she stays with Dawn so that Dawn won't be alone at home. Um, there's a bad band at the bronze. It's just so fucking terrible. That fucking terrible band. Oh my God. Um, so Amy and Willow, like they, they're just hanging out at the bronze. They're doing pool without the sticks. Um, they're magic doing pool. They're magicking pool. Hmm. Pool magic. <laughs> yeah. No matter how I say that, it doesn't, it doesn't sound right, but whatever. So they're doing pool magic. And then a couple of guys come up and ask them to dance. And Amy goes to dance with them and she's having a good time. And Willow's kind of bored, um, and lonely. Um, and then Amy comes back to hang out with Willow and the dudes come up and they like say some shit about like, you can't get us all worked up like that. And then just leave, like come back and dance with us or whatever. And Willow and Tara magic them into like some go-go cages. So they're like in their underwear and little fringy things and they're dancing around in go-go cages. That was funny. That was good. Like if that was the only magic that Willow had done in this episode and then she wasn't already having a problem, we would all find that really funny, you know? So respect for that. Oh, <laughs> I skipped over this, but in my notes, I wrote like this cute little exchange between Amy and Willow about Anya. So Willow was, you know, saying that like Xander's engaged now. Isn't that crazy? And Amy asks what she like asking about Anya. And Willow says, Oh, you know, a thousand year old capitalist ex demon with rabbit phobia. And Amy says, that's so his type. <laughs> oh, I love it. That might be like, even though it's a dialogue exchange, I think that's the quote of the episode. Just like that little, or it's the between Amy and Buffy, like, how have you been rat? You dead. Um, where are we? Anya. Okay. So flashback to, we're, we're back at the magic box, Anya, Xander, and Buffy researching. And, um, Xander's like, I think I got it. I think this is it. And 
Buffy's sort of looking at him sideways, and Anya says, Sweetie, that's a D&D &D manual. <laughs> uh, I love that. That was funny. Um, and then... Oh, for my mom. I feel like my mom's, like, going, what? What's a D&D &D manual? Dungeons and Dragons. Um, Xander was looking at a Dungeons and Dragons manual. It's a... It's a role-playing slash board game. Okay, so... They're getting nowhere with the research and they have like a little bit of a conversation about like, don't you guys think like, what is with the things that are happening lately? Don't you think they're kind of lame? And that's an important thing to point out, as I've said many times before, and I will probably say many more times in season six. Um, the trio is not a worthy adversary for Buffy, but because she's so out of it right now, because they're all so distracted with their own bullshit they're not, they would have defeated them in one episode if they were on their game, but they're not. Um, Spike calls Buffy on the phone while she's researching and like says, Slayer, meet me in the cemetery in 20 minutes. And, and she's like, Spike, Spike, is that you? And finally he stops like with the cryptic voice and he's like, yeah, it's me. Um, there's some like stuff about like Buffy's a little bit defensive about Willow because I think this is when they have the conversation about like Willow doing too much magic and we might need to keep an eye on her and blah 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 and Buffy um Spike starts or ugh, Xander starts saying like it must be seductive you know tr giving into it Anya says this whole thing about you know it's the responsible types that you really have to keep an eye on because they're so used to being good that when they get a taste of being bad it it all goes kablooey, which she's absolutely right. Of course, Anya's always fucking right. Have we not learned this yet? She's a thousand years old. She knows shit. Trust Anya. Why does no one trust Anya ever? Why does no one give Anya the proper respect ever? Okay. So, and then Buffy's kind of like defensive. She's like, well, maybe she's not getting seduced, you know, like we'll keep an eye, but like, maybe she's okay, you know, cause obviously she's over identifying with Willow because she has her own thing that she's being seduced with. And right at that moment, that's when Spike calls, um, later. So they, they disperse, they decide, I don't know, we need a good night's sleep. We're not getting anywhere with this research. And they go home and or Buffy's like, she says she's going to do a quick patrol. She runs into Spike, like in an alley or something. A lot of alleys in this episode. She runs into Spike in an alley. He's wearing purple, which just looks really weird to me. I don't know, like Spike's iconic outfit. Um, like most of the time, it's just black t-shirt, black jeans, black combat boots, black trench coat, uh, black belt. But and that looks great. But sometimes they throw like a loose pointy collared shirt over the whole thing that's unbuttoned. Sometimes it's red. Sometimes it's blue. Right now it's purple. And it's like one of those like, like I love purple. It's my favorite color, but it's one of those obnoxious purples. It's like a super blue purple, like a crown royal bag purple. It's just jarring to look at. And he's wearing like a chain throughout this episode. For some reason, it just bothers me when dudes wear like thick chains. I don't know. 
it just, it looks sleazy to me. And I guess it's just because I grew up in the 80s where, like, there were dudes that were, like, thick. It was like a flex thing. It was like, it was like, if you were rich, you would wear, like, a thick gold chain or something. I don't know. It reminds me of my dad. And it's just, it's a trigger for me. Like, no offense if you are a dude that likes to wear chains. Like, you can wear whatever the fuck you want. Don't listen to me. It's just a psychological trigger for me. And I don't like seeing Spike in a weird necklace. It's not for me. <laughs> anyway, so she runs into Spike while she's patrolling. And in an alley. And I just, I was going to sing the song Spikes, wearing purple, wearing purple. Na, 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 na. Anyway, only like two of you are going to recognize that reference. Um, Gogo Bordello. He, so he reveals to her that he can hit her. And he tells her, you came back wrong. You came back a little less human than you were. And of course, she's very upset by that. So they just start fighting. And they end up in this house or apartment or something. I don't know. It's a really old abandoned place and they're fighting and they're just like really fighting. So this, at this point, they're like juxtaposing between Buffy and Spike fighting in this abandoned house and Willow and Amy doing magic at the bronze. So like they're doing all kinds of shit. Like Willow changes the band so that it's like a really cool girl band, which is way cooler than the stupid boy band that was playing. <laughs> um, they make a lot of improvements to the bronze. Don't get me wrong. They change like all the people are like wearing like funky costumes. Like they're in like a rave or something. Um, the guys are still doing the go-go dancing. There's like angels flying around the club, like people in angel costumes, just like floating around or whatever. They do all kinds of stuff. They're just changing everything that they want to change to their liking, which of course Tara would very much disapprove of. Um, yeah. So they're doing that at the same time that Buffy and Spike are just biting the house down. And then, what what other notes do I have? Spike, I just made a note of it. I mentioned it before. But what he says to Buffy is, poor little lost girl. She doesn't fit in anywhere. She got no one. She's got no one to love. So he says that to her. She is, like, in, you know, defense of Spike. Like, Buffy is constantly saying insulting shit to Spike, too. So it's not like she's... She's not really a victim right now. Like, I'm not trying to suggest that. I just am making the parallel between Spike's actions and... Because that's what Buffy is, the show. The, it's about, um, you know, real-life situations being metaphorically represented in a vampire fantasy show, right? So what we are seeing here is an abusive boyfriend. Like, yes, Buffy is not necessarily a victim. She's, they are equals in a lot of ways. And she's definitely like coming back with a lot of really fucking insulting shit towards Spike too, but she's not trying to control him. That's the difference, you know? Um, and then my last note is just, they fuck the house down. Okay. So I have to critique 
I do kind of think this scene is hot. I remember like being super into it in 2001. I was like, yes, they're finally having sex. I was so happy. I was just like, it was the most exciting moment of watching Buffy that I remember having because I didn't get to watch that many seasons of Buffy like as they were airing. Really, it was only, I think I saw most of season three as it was airing. And then I saw all of season six and all of season seven as it was airing. Like, not necessarily in exact real time, but it was like recorded on TiVo or whatever. And I watched it later that day. But those were the only, and I didn't even see the entire entirety of season three as it was airing because I didn't start watching Buffy until sometime in season three. So this was the most exciting moment for me, honestly, in real time watching Buffy, like Buffy and Spike. Like I was always into Spike since the beginning. <laughs> and I'm definitely a Spike fan. I never really liked Angel. <laughs> like I, I like him now and he's definitely healthier for Buffy as a relationship than Spike. But back in the day, you know, if, if there were teams, I was team Spike 100%. Like, anyway, so I just want to say all of that since most of the time I'm critiquing this relationship and most of the time I will be critiquing this relationship, but I do want you to know that I am team Spike. Like at my core, I am. I just know he's bad <laughs> now. I have a little bit more logic now. So first of all, it just annoys me that like, I, I mean, Buffy had to have not been wearing underwear for her to all she had to do was unzip his pants and then suddenly they were fucking like, that's a little much, but whatever. Logistics aside, plus the height difference between the two of them, like some of those angles, like, <laughs> would not be, it would not be, it would not look the way that it looked, but it did look hot. And they fucked a house down. So that's, I mean, that's something. <laughs> um, so that's it. That's the episode. Okay, I just consulted the, the episode guide because I just realized, oh yeah, I just did the full discussion of that without even looking at the episode guide. I don't agree with most of what Nikki Stafford is saying about this particular episode. But um, reading it reminded me that I want to mention that despite, you know, all of the abusive crap, this is an allegory for an abusive boyfriend relationship, right? It is. And Spike is not good. But I do think it's important to note that Buffy has initiated all of this. Spike doesn't, tr I mean, he has kind of like, there was that one time that he tried to kiss Buffy like last season or something. And she was like, what the fuck are you doing? But since that moment, he hasn't tried anything. Like, yes, he's doing a little bit of, like, controlling language and, like, you know, trying to kind of, like, get in there psychologically and exploit her vulnerabilities and shit like that. But Buffy's the one that kisses him. Like, this is now the third episode that has ended with 
you know, an encounter between a sexualized encounter between the two of them. She is the one that has initiated it every single time. And that includes this time she initiates the sex. She's the one that reaches down and unzips his pants. She is calling the shots with that. She is initiating it. I think that's really important because I think ultimately, even though he's trying to isolate her and control her, he still at the same time has a lot of respect for her. I don't think, and it might just be because he's scared of her and he knows that she can literally overpower him, but I, you know, I really do think that the moment where he attempts to rape her is an anomaly. Like, I don't think that's who he is, even as a character without a soul. I don't think he's a rapey guy, you know, anyway. That's a whole big discussion, but I feel like I just need to like, it's getting closer now, now that they're actually having sex. (laughs) It's getting closer. The attempted rape episode. I, that might be one, quite honestly, you know, on my like episode shit list for Buffy, like seeing red, the one where he attempts to rape her and also the one where Tara dies. That episode is so upsetting that I might decide after watching it this time with you guys, I wouldn't be surprised if I decide I'm never watching it again. It's a good episode. It's an important episode. And I wouldn't also wouldn't be surprised if I end up talking about that episode for like three hours straight. So prepare yourselves for that. But I don't know if I will ever... I think putting myself through watching it and taking notes on it and watching it twice at least and talking about it at length might be the last that I ever want to encounter that episode. Anyway, we're not there yet, but I do think it's important to note that Buffy initiated this, you know, they're, they're fighting. She starts kissing him. She reaches down and unzips his pants. She's the one that's wearing this leather skirt with no underwear. <laughs> Obviously. Because she are, she would have had to have already had her legs wrapped around him. And then she unzips his pants and then suddenly they're already having sex. Like, for some reason that just really bugs me. Anyway. Um, okay, let's do ratings for the episode. Because we haven't done that yet, right? object of the episode. Okay. I didn't even bring this up, but like when Buffy had the pigtails, like the outfit was just, I think she was just like wearing like a black turtleneck and some pants, but the pants are the object of the episode because I'm pretty sure it's hard to tell what the material is for sure, but it is likely corduroy. Corduroy is one of my favorite fabrics, you know, of top five fabrics. It's lace, velvet, corduroy, probably leather, honestly, um, for sure. But anyway, um, she's wearing like olive green pants and I'm pretty sure they're corduroy. So that's the object of the episode because I would love to have some olive green corduroys, like especially that kind of, like it was like a lush, it wasn't like an army green. It was an olive green. It was like a lush mossy olive green. It was good. 
That's like one of my favorite colors of all time. So that's the object of the episode. Outfit of the episode is Buffy's leather and lace. It just is. I mean, the denim is stupid. It doesn't make sense with that outfit. But other than that, it looked good. Um, quote of the episode. I mean, I think it's just going to be the exchange between Amy and Willow about Anya. She's a thousand-year-old capitalist ex-demon with rabbit phobia. That's so his type. That's the quote exchange of the episode. MVP. I mean, shit, I gotta give it to Xander. Or Anya. Anya and Xander were both really level-headed in this episode. Dispensing good advice. So maybe it's just both of them? Also Tara? I don't know. I think I'm just, I don't know. I don't know if I care who the MVP of this episode is. Let's move on. Five by five rating. Um, this is a perfectly good episode. It's not super memorable. It just basically pushes forward the plot, but it's well done. So I'll give it a three and a half. Okay. I guess that's it. Thanks for listening. I will be back next week where we talk about Wrecked. So that's the one where Willow gets Dawn's wrist broken in like a car accident, right? Is that that one? I think so. I think it is. I could be wrong, but I think it is because it ends in like a car wreck. So that's why it's called wrecked, right? Yeah. So we are really like, I keep saying it, but we are it's getting darker every week, guys. Take care of yourselves. Like, seriously, like, if for some reason you are listening to this podcast in conjunction with also watching the episodes, and just, just pay attention, you know, like, a lot of people have trauma in their lives, you know, and if this, this season of Buffy is really triggering, and if you are at a point where you feel like I can't continue watching this right now, don't watch it. Pause it. Watch something else that makes you happy. <laughs> Switch to the office or something, something safe, something funny, something, you know, like friends or something, you know, take care of yourself. And I promise to do so as well. Like I I am pretty like serious about staying on schedule and reviewing every episode 20 years after its original air date. But if I just fucking can't handle it at the moment, I will be late get bringing you the episodes because I'm going to take care of myself because especially seeing red is going to be, that's going to be a difficult one. I wouldn't be surprised if, if I end up needing to skip that one and come back to it later or something, I don't know. Like, I'm just saying it could happen because it's difficult. Um, and, and it's a lot of themes in this season of Buffy can be difficult and triggering and don't listen to this podcast. If it's going to be harmful to you, don't watch the episodes. If they're going to be harmful to you, it's okay. It's just, it's just entertainment. It's just art. And if it's not helpful, 
then you don't have to consume it. You know, there's no obligation to consume art in a certain way. Um, take care of yourselves, guys. Okay, I will see you next week. Have a great Thanksgiving if you celebrate such things. Um, stay sane. I'll see you in a week. Bye.